put him in the aisle. It's a shotgun snap. Final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line. Going up. Ball tipped in the air. Touchdown. Jordan Westerkamp. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Back to throw is Martinez. Now being chased, throws it out. A flat Burkhead makes a catch. Sits a tackle. 25 20, 15 10, 5. Rex Burkhead. Touchdown, Nebraska. All right. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. We took last week off because somebody got married, so we had to celebrate that. And, yeah. Uh, we, that's who, who that's that? the other guy that's joining us here, Drake. Drake, congratulations, my man, um, on getting married. Thank you. It was a, a beautiful wedding. You you looked okay. The wife looked the you know new wife looked great. I don't know how she yeah. settled for you, but hey, it's only, okay, right? Only wife. <laughs> let's get that clear. Only wife. Have that, it, have... that that is very true. Very true. Haven't done this once. <laughs> Um, Once how, before, I was say, how how does it feel being a married man now? Absolutely nothing changes, right? Uh, I mean, a few things changed for us. Um, you know, we we weren't living together before, so uh, that's that's changed. Uh, so obviously, wearing a ring every day changed. Yeah, weighs you, you a lot more quick. than you thought it would. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you this as someone that's been married for almost six years now um that actual wedding band you have put it somewhere you'll never lose it capitalize on the rubber band once they are a lot more so uh yeah i mine came with a rubber band i wear the rubber band oh, even a lot, better. but um it's funny that you say that i actually did almost lose this bad boy when we were in vegas sitting at a at a show because I was so dehydrated it was cutting off the circulation of my finger and i popped it off for a second and just dropped it Yep, that's all it takes is one second to lose it, and you will never, ever, ever live that one down. So, just a no. little piece of advice: don't ever lose your ring, sir. But you know what? He, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there too. If I were ever to lose it, um, there's a reason why us men we buy, you know, hundred to three hundred dollar rings, not because it's multi thousand dollar rings. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, please, please don't. Uh, you know what is it? A uh, quarter of your salary or whatever? I can't even remember what the fuck it is because I didn't do anything like that. I I did. Um, yeah, I did, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you this much. Because uh, you have to buy them too, right? You have to buy women two rings. Yep, the um, first and the second one, I think. Sounds sounds a little sexist to me, but um, <laughs> uh, I don't think you're gonna win this one, bud. <laughs> no. Uh, it's supposed to be three months worth of your gross salary. Um, I didn't quite do that when I bought the ring. Um, it's also a good it, thing you don't make any money from podcasting, too. That's good. We don't need that, to add more to true. that. That's true. That's true. Good thing my day job, my day <laughs> job can float the boat. But um, yeah, uh, I'm. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, no, that's that's awesome, man. Once again, congratulations. It was a blast. Um, Thank you. You know, being invited and everything like that. But we've had a couple weeks off now um, because of that awesome event. So let's talk about some shit that's not so awesome, I guess, because that seems to be the way it goes in Huskerland. Um, yeah. We have, I think I covered this one, but we haven't gotten to get your opinion on this. So there's two guys. And you probably know the two guys I'm talking about. Let's start with Casey Thompson. What were some of your thoughts now that Casey Thompson has transferred? I believe it's to FAU to be to be reunited. Jesus Christ, with former head coach Tom Herman from Texas. What? Yeah. So my my initial thought is I I wasn't surprised that he left. Um, if you go back into some of our podcasts early after Rule was hired. And Casey at that time had not necessarily said he was coming back, but he rejoined the team. Um, I was very, and then they brought in Jeff Sims. So like, I, I don't remember the exact timeline of Casey saying he was back and then Sims coming in. I don't remember which order that came in, 
But if you go back to some of our podcasts, I, I was pretty adamant about the fact that I was surprised that he was coming back with them bringing in a guy like Jeff Sims for, for a variety of reasons. Um, one, I felt like if Casey was truly coming back and all in, there was some sort of a promise made to him in terms of playing time. Now, I didn't know if that was going to be, you know, the only guy or or dual quarterback system. I didn't I didn't know what it was. But for a guy that's been on the journey that he's been on, played as much football as he has. He's a six-year guy now, isn't he? I, be, I believe so. But That's what I thought. At, at the end of the day, he, he's put so much in at two programs now. Um I don't like I th- put yourself in Casey's shoes, right? You bring in another guy that that was a pretty accomplished starter, although not as great of a passer. Uh, I would feel like that's a slap in the face, um, especially playing through all the injuries that he played through last year. I, I felt like if he was really coming back, there was some sort of a promise made. This leads me to believe that that promise was actually never made or the writing was on the wall and, you know, they kind of told him time to go. And here's the thing. Uh, after a few days after he hit the portal, you know, rule said we wanted him to come back and compete for the job, blah, 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 blah. But they've been very adamant about what they want their quarterback to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think even if Casey would have won that job, I don't think Casey wanted to take the beating that he's going to have to take to win well, that job. Well, I was going to say, and isn't that, you know, one of the biggest things that I think Casey had going against him this offseason was that shoulder surgery and not being able to actually be in, be out there under the live fire with those guys. Yeah, we've seen him walking through plays and, you know, going through the motions and everything, but there's something different to actually being able to participate in these offseason practices, get the live reps with your guys. There's something completely different to be said about that. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I also said this, and I, I still believe this. I, For a guy like Casey who's played as much college football as he has, I don't know how important those live reps are for a guy like that, especially a guy who's played in multiple systems. I mean, he was an option guy in high school too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I let me rephrase it. I don't think missing out on those live reps was as much of a detriment to him as – people like to think in terms of his ability to execute those plays, the detriment was the coaches not getting to see him run those plays and they saw Jeff Sims running them. And so could I also argue that it's not so much that Casey actually needed the reps to run through them to get the play design down, but more to get on the same page with so many brand new guys coming into the scheme in the system this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think there's something to that, but I also think if he's QB like if he stays all the way through summer and he's QB one when they get into fall camp, starters who are starters can can mesh really quickly, really well. It's those second and third guys, those substitute wide receivers that need all those extra reps. Um, I just I feel like Casey probably felt like he was so far behind in terms of what coaches got to see in the spring out of him and Sims. Um, And to be fair, again, the guy's put in a lot of time. He's earned it. He's a graduate transfer. Like I don't blame him for going somewhere where he's not really going to have to compete for the job. I don't. No, absolutely not. And, you know, he's going down to, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, he's still taking a step back um, in conference, I guess, uh, prestige, you know, going from, the uh, Big Ten to I think it's the Atlantic, Atlantic or I believe it's the Atlantic down there. Um, but I mean, he's going to put up some really nice numbers under under Herman and uh, Charlie Fry down there. I think he may play himself into getting drafted or being a you know an a, an undrafted pickup just because mm-hmm. of the number he's able to put up. He's a smart kid. Like nobody can argue that Casey Thompson isn't smart. He's picked up multiple schemes, as you said. I just don't think he's got the measurables that people are looking for right. to be a top I, even third. I don't even think he could fit as a third string quarterback in the league, but I think it sets him up very well to go set up a coaching career as his next step. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to be a great coach. I, so there's a couple of guys similar in stature to him in the league right now. Uh, one of them is chase Daniel. 
who has been a booger picker. Yeah, a longtime backup quarterback. And then the other one's Kyler Murray. And no offense to to Casey. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not he's not that guy. But um I I would compare him to a Chase Daniel. I think he's probably about as athletic. I think he has a has more arm talent. Uh I think he has high IQ. I I could see him being an undrafted free agent bouncing around practice squads for a couple of years. Um, which there's a ton of guys, especially at the quarterback position, that do that mm-hmm. to really learn how to coach. You a perfect example of somebody who did that, Zach Taylor. Zach and Taylor bounced around now. practice squads, I think, for two to three years. Then he went to Texas AM under uh Mike Herman. What is it Mike Herman? Um who's I, his father-in-law? I, it's his father-in-law. Oh shit. Um it, Sherman. Yeah, Mike Sherman. 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 I forgot I forgot a letter. Sherman. It's all good. Uh, Letters are hard. Yeah. Uh but no, I I I guess I don't know Casey well enough to know what his long-term plan is, but I truly feel he's doing what he feels is best for him in that plan. And for that, I have no ill will. Well, I think that was the biggest thing that you've seen come out when when Thompson announced that he was uh, transferring. The first one was, okay, I I think I know when I saw it, I was like, all right, this is a really bad joke, um, but okay. And then immediately just that shitstorm hit um, that he was transferring. Well, I understand 100% why he transferred, but you don't see like any ill will wish toward Thompson like you do with some other guys that transfer out, I guess. Maybe that's just a sign of a common respect for a guy that took a hell of a beating last year for a team that yeah. underachieved quite a bit. I'll tell you, I, I did see some disappointing responses to it. Um, once it came out that rule really did like fight to keep him, um, Mm -hmm. and really wanted him to compete. I saw some disappointing responses and whether or not I'm not, I'm not going to call rule a liar. Right. Um, I, I doubt I, here's how I imagine that conversation probably went Jeff. Hey, Casey, Jeff's way ahead of you right now in terms of what we've been able to see. We would really like to see you when you're healthy and what you can do. But right now, Jeff's our starter. Um, but we want you to push him and, you know, Hey, by the way, Nebraska's had really bad luck with quarterbacks staying healthy. You're probably going to get a shot. Even if you're not QB one on day one and Casey probably went home and thought about it. And, you know, it's for his last opportunity to play college football. Is it, is it worth it? Probably not. I mean, you got to think about it from this point of view. And let's just say if if what we have said this, this conversation thus far about his pro prospect, not being super high, if you have the ability to play one more year of high level football, wouldn't you want to do it? If you have that ability? I mean, I know everyone that's a competitor out there would not turn that down. They would 100% take you up on that. I know if you were a, a, you know, let's say if you had one more year of basketball, you take it in a heartbeat if you could. Oh, absolutely. So it's it's funny that you say that. Uh, the, this story actually came up uh, at a rehearsal dinner on last Friday, bef- the night before the wedding, uh, when my dad was giving a toast. And he talked about at the end of my sophomore year, I had battled a ton of injuries that year, tore my labrum, separated my shoulder, uh, had a really bad knee injury. And um, Wait, got this two is all one year season, all one year. And Jesus I got two Christ, you're delicate. Year. <laughs> oh dude yeah uh i i did i did a lot of i i he, okay this is uh, i i can i can tie this all together trust me here there's a reason why i always appreciated guys like tommy armstrong adrian martinez casey's thompson zach taylor because those guys played the game the same way i played the game of basketball and my body was i was always giving my body up for the betterment of the team. I did not care. I would play through injuries no matter what. Like, and that's why I have the utmost respect for a guy like Adrian Martinez. And I will fight for him against people who hate him no matter what, because he played almost a whole year with a broken jaw. That being said, my dad and I sat down at the end of my sophomore year. Um, and I wasn't happy with where I was at. I didn't want to transfer again uh, just to keep playing. And, you know, at the end of the day, like looking at people in the in the basketball world, this is huge. Like in Omaha, the basketball world's a pretty tight knit community. And 
I look at guys that are, you know, five years older than me, 10 years older than me, 20 years older than me, all these guys that I know in this community. And we have trouble walking, dude. I crack when I get up. You've sat next to me in here. Like I crack and grunt when I get up. Um, I call just, those old man noises too. Yeah. I, on this past Friday, I just had a nerve block done in my neck to see if, you know, singeing off the nerves in my neck will help with my migraine problems. It seems like it will, but like, Putting your and I was playing at a very small level of college basketball. So at a certain point, like, does does the love of the game outweigh the quality of life? Yeah, probably. But this is why I I you know have a huge respect for guys like Casey Thompson, Adrian Martinez, who who battle those injuries, and I will defend them no matter what. So when I saw people saying he doesn't want to compete for the job, yeah, he doesn't want to compete for the job because he put in his time, he took his beatings. Let him go down to a, lo- a slightly lower level of football, put up some numbers and hopefully g- get him paid really well for a couple of years before he starts coaching. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that's that's why you're playing the game. Yeah, we all say it's for the love of the game, but let's let's not act like Division One football is just for the love of the game. It's to yeah. get that pro contract if you can. If you get there, yeah. that's that's what you're doing it for. Exactly. And and so to your point, like if, if I could go back and play another year of college basketball, if, if a top level team in my division or a top level team in a division lower than me, when I decided that I was done playing at the school I was playing at, if they had come in and said, hey, you can come in, start, be a focal point of our team. By the way, we competed for a conference championship last year. Would I have signed up for that in a heartbeat? In it's a, a no-brainer. Even though it's a no-brainer. I was miserable. I was miserable. My body was shot and I, I would have signed up in a heartbeat because I wanted to win. And, and to Casey's point, like he wants to win too. And he I don't believe he's ever had a winning to record to as a quarterback. And what's, what's that? I, I don't think he's ever had a winning record as a quarterback. I, exactly. So he, I, he might, they might've broke even one year at Texas, but he wants to like, he has he a much better shot at being the guy at FAU and leading them to a bowl game than he does at Nebraska this year. I can't argue with that. No, absolutely not. The dude wants to win and and who can blame him for wanting to win? Like, like we've said, he's put in his, he's, he's paid his dues and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't blame him at, at all. Um, he does. He deserves move. to have a shot to go play for a conference title. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what conference it is, if you have a conference title to your name as a quarterback, you always have that. It doesn't matter if yeah. it was an AAC or a Big Ten. You still have yeah. that. Hey, well, as much as I want to say Nebraska is going to compete for a Big Ten title this year, do I really think they are? I, I, It's the Kool-Aid in me. I always think we're, we have an outside shot at it. But the reality is, like, he has, he's even, even if FAU has an outside shot, his talent level can elevate them, right? Because we, of relative talent know, around them. We know how far behind we really are right now. Yep, and at some of the most important positions, a.k.a. Yeah. both lines. So um, so we talked about a dude that paid his dues, okay? We, we got Casey out of the way. Let's, let's talk about another big transfer that happened, A.J. Allen. I don't think I even got to talk about this one because I took last week off. But yeah. Um, man, this one, I, I, to me, it doesn't really feel like that much of a surprise. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, I guess. But I, if I had to put, I, I don't, I'm not that surprised based on his hesitancy, you know, early in the off season. And then, you know, some, some of the videos coming out, I just don't think it was a good mesh from the start. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I see where you're going with this. Um, we're obviously like kind of leaning towards a couple of the videos of Coach Barthel getting on him, but also um, I'm not saying that that's the reason why he left. No, Just no, I know, videos, I know you're not. I think there's an entire thing, yeah. story behind it, everything. Yeah, and D- DB has talked about this a couple of times. Like there, there's so much more going on behind the scenes that we don't know. Um, but I'll be honest, I I thought this at the very beginning. I thought he was so close with our last running backs coach that it it made all the sense in the world for him to walk away. Um, and I appreciate that he, he tried to stick it out and was was going to fight for it. I, I think he, he was a top two running back in this program. Um, 
I I don't know. I people people hate me for this take, but um, I'm not totally sold on Gabe Urban. I'm I'm just not, and I never have been since since he's been here. I think he has ability, uh, but this coaching staff seems to love him. And if AJ Allen ha- has a similar mindset to me in terms of what he's seen visually, and the staff loves him as much as they do. Like, again, I I've been in that role at, at a college level where, um, you know, some of the, it, and it could be a, total, a ton of different things. I'm not saying AJ is right or wrong. I just know like me when I was playing and I was immature and there was a, a couple of guys that I felt I was a way better than either on the court or I did everything else the right way. And they were still getting more shots than me for whatever reason. Like, that weighs on you a ton. And, you know, maybe he was homesick. I know he didn't go back to Louisiana. He went to Miami, but that's a hell of a lot closer than Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, you know, okay, here's my thing with him. He he is a highly touted kid. Like, he was a very talented kid. Like, you watch his film from high school. Kid did some really good things. Uh, he had some pretty decent runs at Nebraska when he was here. Um his problem was, you know, he had the, the freak clavicle incident. I have to wonder if he played more last year, if he still transfers this year. I know he had a big connection to Applewhite there, but I, I think a lot of it does go back to the immaturity issue of maybe you feel like you're the top dog in the room and there's guys that are, we'll say, fitting the fitting the scheme or fitting what the new running back coach wants more than mm-hmm. what you're doing right now. Um, and, and, you know, there could have just not been a style matchup from the beginning. That's what I think it was. Um, and and that and when you say style, like here here's the thing that people need to understand. Like the word style, it, I know most of you aren't watching, but style, I'm air quoting this, like that that has so many different levels. There's personality style, there's coaching style, there's scheme style, there's running style, there's blocking, like there's so many different things that this style, quote unquote difference could be um and i I, i'm for aj allen i'm sure it's three or four different things that ultimately led to that um yeah Yeah, that that's and like you've heard nothing but good things about barthel from from his previous running backs and you know he seems like this whole coaching staff is a they're gonna you know they're gonna ride you but they're, 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 you know, they're gonna, they're gonna do things the best way that they feel possible. That's what it seems like to me. And maybe, you know, if you can't see past the end of your nose, it's hard to see that sometimes. But we've yeah, all been and, young, and it happens, unfortunately. Yeah, and they're they're gonna ride you out of love too, like that. And I can tell you, as a co- you know, as a from- player, isn't that what you want though? You want coaches to ride you to some degree. Yes, but here's the thing. It is, there's two parts of this, right? When you're talking about coaches writing you out of love. Um, One, when you're you're a new coach to a new player, like it can be really hard to emphasize the love that you have for the guys while you are writing them if they don't know you yet. That Um, makes sense. That's a good way of putting it. But you cannot, as a coach, as the new coach, you cannot come in and not set that tone up front of what you want either. So, like, you don't really get the full time to let them get to know you and understand you, but you have to set that tone. And then on the other side, you know, as as a young, immature kid, and I'm not saying AJ's immature, like, does stupid stuff all the time, but learning who you are as a young man, it, it can be hard, you know, reading between lines like that that's the thing with people man you gotta you gotta learn to read between the lines um and i i hope aj doesn't look back on this decision in two years and say man i really wish i would have stuck it out because i do i i look back on it all the time and say man i really wish i would have stuck it out of the first school i was playing i wish i would have stuck it out and gone just been there for four years Part of it financially because it was such a cheap school to go to. Part of it because I really felt like I I could have done something with a group of guys that I came in with and and been a part of something special at that program. So I just 
there there's a lot of there's a lot of intangibles with people man and there's a lot of gray area and i it's a hard space to navigate and i know that on uh, from both sides as a player and a coach that's that's the thing is is we're all looking at it from the outside point of view and you know i i think he made a good decision in where he went to um going to miami uh, as you said, it, it's something that's closer to home for him. But I also feel like stylistically what Cristobal wants to do down there fits more of him. Um, you know, it's, it's they want to be a ball control offense. I I know that's what Nebraska does, wants to do up here as well. I just feel like it's a better stylistic matchup. And I feel like Miami is a little bit further down the road as far as where they are personnel-wise and where Nebraska is going to be in the next probably year or so. Yeah, and so I think Cristobal, I think he's carrying over a little bit of that Oregon spread down in Miami. I could be absolutely. Wrong. I think he's that's um, what he's trying to do exactly what they did out there. And I'll, so, how crazy is it? And I'll, I'll tie this back in, but I'm going to ask you this question: How crazy is it that since Chip Kelly has left, that Oregon offense still hasn't really changed? It's ha- added a couple of wrinkles, but pretty much every coach even the guys that weren't a part of his coaching tree continued to do the same thing. I mean, it's and smart. They, you, you've already got the pieces in place. Why would you, why would you uh, try to reinvent the wheel? Yeah. And then as, as those coaches have moved out into other programs and other parts of the country, they've adapted it a little bit more than what Scott Frost did here, but they continue to, you know, a lot of the same principles. Um, you know, maybe AJ Allen didn't love, running up the middle in the big in the big tent um it's a legit possibility you know you're a louisiana kid i mean it's it's not necessarily fun coming up north to play when you've got the the one of the bigger conferences i mean i think it's sec 1a sec or uh, big 10 1b but you got those defensive lines that are not fun to run against why not go run in the acc yeah and so it's it's great like here can we agree that the SEC pumps out way more defensive talent into the NFL than the Big Ten? Like, oh yeah, that's that's why the SEC is number one. Clearly, is is right. I would say on most levels, the Big Ten can compete, but it's on the lines, especially the defensive line. That's the game changer, and it has been since what Florida played uh, Ohio State years ago. Yeah, but at the same time, like the. The style is a little bit di- like I just I just don't feel like the running backs in the SEC get pounded quite as hard as they do in the Big Ten. Um, partly because I think the SEC rotate backs better. I don't think you're taking thirty hits a game regularly. Um, but look look at all the great running backs of the Big Ten. They're all getting twenty five to thirty carries a game. It's a different style. It seems like a play or in different pace mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and, and so like that that is my one caveat to that discussion is even if he had ended up in the sec um he still probably wouldn't have taken the same kind of beating that he takes in the big 10 just because the style on both sides of the ball is so different yeah and 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 i'm gonna go back to applewood i I feel like there were some things promised by pre the previous coaching staff to allen that this current coaching staff also did not um Maybe see the same promise, you know, coming in this year. But and and by that I mean maybe a starting spot kind of locked up from from yeah. the jump. But um Where so did this, Brian Applewhite end up? I thought he was in Buffalo, maybe. I know he yeah. took a yeah, that's accurate. I, yeah. Okay. Um, so I got a question for you now because I seen this online and I'm gonna kind of move on from AJ Allen, but I think this is yeah. interesting. So we one of the big things that we've heard everyone talk about, like a big talking point this entire offseason, has been scholarship numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And they were at 103 at one point and over 85. So we were all freaking out about that. So I seen Jim in Minnesota on Twitter put this up. Uh, it was something from Gary Sharp that had mentioned that Nebraska is already right now below the 85 scholarship limit. And that mm-hmm. includes the two guys, uh, John Bullock and Nate Borkature, who they bumped up from scholarship to uh, – or from walk-on from to walk-on. scholarship. Yep. So they gave them scholarship. So they're already below the 85 number with those two guys on them. 
it's funny because when you go to On3's website, it is 90 out of 85. So that means there are at least five guys on the current roster right now that um, are either medically or uh, I guess retiring, taking the uh, scholarship uh, thing for the first year coaches, or the guys just not on the team anymore. So, yes. Yeah, so there's some names I want uh, to run by. Rule said that. Rule yep. said that. Okay. And I, and I, and yeah, I just seen that pop up today. I haven't been too keen on it the last uh, week or so, but. So I will tell you that means there's at least six because Rule also mentioned he would still like to add a receiver to the room from the portal. So that was exactly what I was going to ask you because when I'm looking at the quarterback spot, um, you know, you got three, I'm sure all going to be there. Sims, Harburg, Purdy. Okay. So bump into running back next. I don't see any of these guys transferring from Grant Johnson, Irvin, uh, uh, Emmett Johnson, and then Quentin Ives freshman. I don't see any of mm-hmm. those guys transferring. Okay. So if we go to the wide receiver room, let's just take all the freshmen out, which is Coleman, Doss, Turner, Lloyd, Charles, and, and Demetrius Bell. You bump to a sophomore in Xavier Betts. Then you go junior Garcia Castaneda. Then you have Washington, Fleeks, and Kemp. Do you see anyone from that room leaving? I don't see anybody from that room leaving. Okay. I don't um, either at this point. And I don't I don't feel like there's anyone you can really force out at this point either. Okay, let me let me back up. Possibility of two there. Po- there is a slight possibility of two. Now I don't I don't think either of them are gone, but there are two that I could see. Bets and guess uh, uh, Garcia Castaneda. No, no, he's not on my list. Okay. Um, but I'm willing to hear your argument as to why you dropped that name. Um, if I had to, if I had to pick a couple out of that room, I would say one, Demetrius Bell, just because he had flip flopped a couple of times. Okay, uh, that's an interesting one. But okay, I could hear that one. Um, and it's only because he's flip flopped. Gotcha. Okay. And and I understand like. When he was originally committed and then decommitted, it was because of our coaching staff change. I understand that. But what caused him to recommit after committing to somebody else? Because he was committed elsewhere, right? Temporarily. Bell, I'm not sure. I thought Bell was always a uh, prospect out there for anybody to get, but I could be wrong on that. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of uh, Lenhard. Um, Lenhard did do that, though. Yeah. Um, and my other one is, is Fleek's. Just because I didn't really hear a lot about about him in the spring. Um, okay, Fleeks was one that I. I but didn't he's not think. on camp. He wasn't on campus in the spring, was he? I don't think so. I think he was a late addition, but I think he was brought on as a guy um, more for return duties and almost I don't want to say a culture guy, but almost kind of that culture setter as someone who's been in it previously. And you could convince me Washington too, I guess, if he wants to follow Casey. That would be one I could see Washington. Plus, I just I, I haven't you, seen it from Washington, just that explosiveness that we've seen at Texas. But also you could argue that he hadn't been put in great positions to do so. That there's that. Um but I think it would have to be a guy like Fleeks or Fleeks because I believe Fleeks also graduated in the spring, so he gets that extra transfer. He gets a grad transfer. Grad transfer rule. Because um, Garcia Castaneda, if he transferred, he'd have to sit out because he transferred here. Yep, he transferred once already. Um, mm-hmm. Washington transferred in from Texas, but I think he's a sixth-year guy. Yeah, so I think I think he has, has an extra one. But I, I don't think it's the receiver room. I don't either at this point. Uh, so let's bump to tight end. You know, you've got Fedoni, Gilbert, Borkature. I don't see any of those guys going. But then you go to your uh, redshirt freshman. Uh, yep, well, and he's actually in the redshirt freshman. So you got Androff, Applegate, and then Bonner, and then Ismail Smith Flores as your tight as your uh, um, freshman. I, I maybe Androff or uh, Applegate would be my only two that I could see leaving. Applegate, I believe, was a flip from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball, too. Yeah. But once again, it's not tight end room for me that I see leaving. 
who was who was the tight end that flipped to defense in the spring? That is um, Rollins, AJ Rollins, actually. And, and is I, he still listed on the defensive side? He is, and actually, at one point, I believe Rule said he was leading the team in sacks at one point this offseason. Yeah. So, yep, we talked. He's about not that. one. I don't on the offensive line. I don't see anyone leaving there. Um, I think the guys you got are what you got there. Which that that freshman class is is something I'm actually very excited about, especially with uh, Gatula and Sledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think we're going to see Gatula more this year than than we may be expecting to. Physically, he looks like a dude right now. Yeah, there's a couple of guys on on the defensive side too that are freshmen that I think we're just we're going to see a lot of. Yeah, well, going to that line, you got Vincent Carroll Jackson, Riley Van Poppel, Lenhart, uh, Lifotu, uh, Prince Will Uman Mielin. So those are all your freshmen. Don't see any of them going. Brody Tagovailoa, you heard a little bit about him. Not a ton, but a little bit. Do you see anyone leaving? Here's where I see movement. You got Raquan Buckley. You got Gunderson. Um, Elijah Judy, Kai Wallen, and A.J. Rollins. I could see two out of those five leaving right there. Yeah, and if I had to pick two, it would be Kai and Gunnarsson. See, I was going to say Buckley and Gunnarsson. Um, Buckley and Kai, yeah. I, I, I'd i say either one of them. And and, and I, I think Wallen will stick around. I think they're going to move him around a little bit more, but um, I, I think Wallen will stick around. Rollins is a guy that I think they found a spot for. How about this name, Nash Hutmacher, and then this is one we didn't hear about, but Ty Robinson. I think Robinson's safe. I know he had a shoulder surgery, but would you be surprised to see uh, Hutmacher move? What year's Hutmacher? Hutmacher is a junior this year. He's one I could see moving. I could see three guys in that uh, defensive line room leaving. That my my easy answer is yes, I could see him moving, but he's been such a fan favorite just from lifting videos, and I know I know the defensive line staff really likes him too. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they could get he, lateral mobility out of him, he'd be good. He could do. Something. I was going to say he. He's suffering from that problem of over bulking under Nebraska. Same problem that we said Ty Robinson was suffering from. Yeah, when you um, get up to three thirty, it's hard to move fluidly. Yeah, um, man. Let Let's come back to them. Okay, so because I I'll, I'll tell you which room I think we're going to see the most movement. I think it'll be probably these next. Three rooms: linebacker, cornerback, and safety. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's cornerback and safety that we see the movement. So I'm going to leave the linebacker, the freshman linebackers alone. Same thing with the freshman corners and the freshman safeties. Let's jump to our linebackers. So you got Seth Malcolm, uh, Randolph Kapai, Makai Gabor, uh, Jamari Butler, Chief Borders, and Kane Williams. That so that those are all your sophomores, and oof. Well, I, I mean, I could see four of the six on the chopping block at this point. Yeah. Um, I Really, the only one I think is totally safe in that group is Jamar Butler. I think him and Borders, just because Borders is the, the transfer in from Florida. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So yeah. those two I think I, are I, good. I was talking returners. You're right. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Jamari Butler is the only one that I'm remotely okay with. So let's bump. To, I would like I think, Randolph Kapai to stay though, because I think there's a spot for him. I, man, he's a guy that I'm kind of at a loss for, just because he popped on his high school film so well, and he looks so fluid. It's just either he can't pick it up, and he's not being, a, or he's not able to be physical enough, or he can't get the scheme down. And or hear me out, hear me out. Another miss eval. Yes, because. How often did you I, start chasing? No, I'm. How often did you hear me talk about Maga Clement and how he should have been playing very early on? Uh, I remember the, one of the first games I saw him play in, and it was 
whoever we brought in to make up the the first rain out game for frost um oh uh was that uh bethune cookman yes he I, I believe that's the game he played in or it could have been one of the one of the other bum schools the next year but he played violently he played fast and he played fearless um and from linebackers now i this Chins did not have the same opinion that I have on this. And what I want from my linebackers is violence, fast, and fearless. And there's a Hall of Fame linebacker out there who his teammates said the same thing about. We had to play off of him because he could sense things as they were happening. And that was Junior Seau. Junior Seau almost went went rogue all the time. And I don't think Maga Clements was going rogue, but I think he was playing the game with a feel. And I don't think nothing against Chins. I just think Chins thought that was too big of a liability. Yeah, it. but I mean, you could make the argument that a guy like Jojo Doman played outside the scheme a little bit more than one would be comfortable with. He just happened to make plays and had the... Uh, I don't know if the experience is the correct term, but he had more clout to be able to do so than Amalga commenced it, unfortunately. You heard me bitch about that many a time. Yeah, I don't know if JoJo really played outside of the scheme. I think they created a scheme for JoJo. I really do. And I think, and I only think that because they saw JoJo had a little bit more athleticism than your average linebacker because he came in as an oversized DB Almost um, like uh, Brian Urlacher, you know, big safety bumps down to linebacker eventually. Yeah, I mean, he was he was kind of like an Eric Hag in in that sense. Like, you know, um, I think there was a lot of plays where JoJo was a quote unquote spy and just allowed to go go freely. And this last year, I, I truly think the big one of the bigger reasons this defense took a step back this year while Chance was here was because they didn't have somebody that they trusted to do that with. So everybody was schemed out of their mind. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I get what you're saying though. I was just, I was just adding, you know, a layer of thought because I don't, I don't think chins was going to let anybody play outside of the system. And that could be a good way of putting it. I didn't, it seem like this last year under chins, maybe the scheme changed once it went from the sixth year guys to the, not as experienced guys like it seemed like there was a scheme change to it, a degree. It, they got it they got insanely soft okay and so what I, what I mean by that was like we were giving up 10 yard passes automatically like there was no press and maybe that's what more of what i was referring to is when you when you've got these 60 year guys you are able to maybe read and do more things um mm-hmm. different check with me some different things within the scheme that a guy that's not experienced is able to do Maybe that's kind of what I was getting at instead. It, you could sell me that guy, that some of those six year guys at times, whether or not they were allowed to, you know, they just kind of made their own decision on the field. Like, yeah, it's hard to argue that in some cases, I'm, especially when you hear what JoJo said about them being the staff being bad leaders. You could convince me that JoJo and a couple of those six year safeties were like, yo, fuck this. We're going to go do our own thing. Well, and honestly, uh, you can't argue that it wouldn't have done better than what the staff was telling you because uh, staff didn't seem to know what they were doing. But let's let's keep on trudging through the shit, okay? Yeah, so let's do it. You got Henrik, Snodgrass, Sherman, Bullock. I could see maybe a Garrett Snodgrass. Yeah, but Snodgrass, that, I, I would agree. And then you got Reimers, your um, senior there. Um, we'll go corners. I'm going to name just six of them off, okay? You got Lynam, Hartzog, uh, Javier Morton, Tommy Hill, Omar Brown, and Quentin Newsom. That's our six guys that are not freshmen. I'm going to say Lynam and either, not both, but either Omar Brown or Tommy Hill. Man, I could... I could see Lionel gone, Morton. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, or Javier Morton. Yep, I could see Lionel, Tommy Hill. 
I see those two. Lina, Morton, and Hill. I can see those three. Um, here's here's the caveat with Tommy Hill, though. Rule really wants to add a receiver to his room. Could if he doesn't find one he likes, does he just flip Tommy Hill again? Man, you at that point, you I know Tommy Hill is a good athlete, but you're 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 killing that kid's progression and growth if you keep switching back and forth between corner yeah. and safety or a, a corner and wide receiver there. Yeah, no, for sure. I would hate to see it, but I, there's nothing that's insane at this point. Um, safeties. And got, I, th- I think there's a spot for Tommy Hill on this team. If I he do puts too. in the work. If I think he puts Ol- in the work. I think Omar Brown might be one of the guys that I'm most excited about within that cornerback room. And he's got tremendous instincts, which we've seen at Northern Iowa. He just hasn't been able to be healthy. Yeah. Um, if he could stay healthy, that dude can make plays and, and be a big-time player in that cornerback room. I really do believe it, whether it be nickel I, or a JoJo roll, something. That dude can be a player. I think he's probably ahead of Hartzog when healthy. I could I could see that. Hartzog is a, an absolute dog. It, it would almost be a, uh, a 1A, 1B for me with those two. Yeah. Because a healthy and, and Omar Brown. Quentin Newsom's the guy on his side. Like absolutely. Um, that's one of the things that I was, you know, the craziest thing about Hartzog is he was one of the lowest recruited guys that came out of that class and he ended up doing the most. Uh, you know, he had tremendous speed. Nobody was, you know, arguing that. But was he big enough? Did he have long enough arms? Like there were a lot of questions about him. And that's one of the dudes that ended up doing the most. I will tell you there was a couple of games last year, Indiana being one, Purdue being the other one where you could tell he was a freshman because when he would get up and press, he he never won that battle. If he win, if he can start winning that battle and press up at the line of scrimmage, he's he's gonna be a dog. He's you know ex, you know exactly who he would remind me of if he starts winning that battle? Courtney Grigsby. Oh a smaller guy, but tremendous speed. If he can be physical, yeah, that's a great comparison. He's got the vertical. He's got the vertical. He can do everything. He's just got to win that battle at the line of scrimmage. And when he didn't win that battle at the line of scrimmage, it was a 20 to 30 yard gain every time. Now he would recover and make the tackle, but he can't can't lose that. Yeah, he can't lose that. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Hartzog does, um, you know, another year in this, another year with some uh, college coaching and another year in a college program. He's going to be fun to watch this year. So um, I'm excited to see him and Newsom lock some things down. Uh, Safety. That's the other room we're talking about. Uh, I don't see freshmen going anywhere. But yeah, Gage Stenger, Bretts, and Collier. And then a big room at junior. You got Farmer, Buford, Singleton, Gifford, and Wright. Oh, one, two. Give me the sophomores again. Sophomore is only Gage Stinger. Okay. Um, and then, or sorry, that's redshirt freshman. Uh, Brett's and then Collier, the transfer from Florida, are your two sophomores. Okay. So going from redshirt freshman to sophomores, I could see Stanger leaving. Yep. Um, you see Brett's leaving he, with so he, much, uh, uh, so many West Side guys coming in. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see Brett's leaving. I do see Stanger possibly just because. He also had the opportunity to go play quarterback in North Dakota State out of high school. Is that right? Um, I don't know if Stanger did. I know there were quite a few other guys that did, but I don't know if Stanger did. That's a good question. Yeah, I I, I think Stanger – because Stanger was a quarterback at Westside, right? That's a good question. Gage, uh, you keep you keep talking. I'll keep looking okay. up. Yeah, I, so I would say Stanger um, – I, I as much as I hate to say it because I have fought for this guy a ton, especially since he made a few plays. What's that? I believe he was recruited as a linebacker. Okay. I could see this is what Andre's got. I I could see uh Farmer leaving. Which I would hate because that guy showed you very early on in his career that he can make big plays. Um but he has he he's had problems staying healthy. Then he had the the DUI problem. Um, 
Give me give me those juniors again and sophomores. Yeah, yep. So your sophomores are Kobe Bretz and Corey Collier. Uh, we already talked about Bretz. So Collier's a transfer in from Florida. But you talked yep. about Farmer. Uh, you got Marquise Buford. Uh, Deshaun Buford's Singleton. Singleton's Deshaun Singleton, is he the one from Bama? He is the one. No, so that's actually Kane Williams who transitioned to linebacker. Okay. So Deshaun Singleton, he was a junior college guy that transferred in. Um, I could see, Singleton and that doesn't going, count against him. I could see Singleton bouncing. Yep. Um, you then you got Isaac Gifford and Javen Wright. I could see Buddha leaving just I because could see Buddha taking a uh medical retirement. I think he wants to play though. Um, depends on how those blood clots are though. Yeah, I would. If he's healthy enough to play, I would not be surprised if this staff tries to move him to linebacker, though. Oh, yeah. I think he'd be a um, tremendous uh, kind of safety linebacker slash. I, I feel like he's, he's he, for this he defense, a good hybrid. Yes. Um, yeah. He, he'd be a good hybrid in this 3-3-5 defense. But, yeah, yeah I mean, sure. you got for you sure. got a lot of, lot of names there that I feel mm-hmm. like – you're gonna see some. I mean, it's just interesting who at this point. Run through the specialists real quick, too. Yeah, specialists. So you've got uh Alvano as your freshman, but then you got uh Bleak Road, Muschini, and then long snapper Marco Ortiz, who is a senior who transferred in. Yes. So is I it think... crazy to say I could see Bleak Road leaving? Ooh, I don't think it's crazy to say anything at this point. But I think if Bleak Road leaves, you're really, you're really feeling kind of. I guess it depends how far, how much Alvano's pushing him too. Alvano's got a leg. Um, there is multiple people have talked about him having an NFL leg at the age of 18. So we heard that um, uh, around state championship time. That's all everyone kept yeah. talking about. Yeah, I, I can see Bleak Road leaving um, and mainly just because the staff didn't the last. And I know I've put a lot into like how how much the last staff missed on some of these simple things. But like there was a couple of times where they trotted somebody else out for a field goal that was a little bit longer instead of Bleak Road. Um, I just. Here, here's my thing, and somebody is going to come in with some obscure stat on Twitter later this week to tell me why I'm wrong. But I feel like kickers are the same thing as quarterback. If you have more than one, you have none. Um, now, I've, there's a difference between depth and having an extra point specialist and then a field goal specialist, right? Or a like, kickoff specialist, yeah. And, and so I, I – you know, you can have a kickoff specialist. I, Nebraska Nebraska did that for years. I, in fact, I, I specifically remember there was a point in time where Alex Henry didn't kick off, but he kicked field goals. Yep, Eddie um, Kunalik, I believe, was the uh, extra or the uh, kickoff specialist. Yeah, don't forget, he put that ball out of bounds on the uh, Texas one second play. Uh, he's the one who kicked it out of bounds and gave them the extra Son yardage. Of a bitch. Um, that that's well, just yes, I hate kickers that, again. That's something that came up in conversation with somebody the other day, actually. People people tend to forget that part of it. People don't forget. If we don't kick it out of bounds, that one second doesn't happen. Uh anyway. I, I don't like where this conversation just went, Drake. I, I think I think Bleak Road is is probably I, I there's a good shot in my eyes that Bleak Road's gone. You know, actually, after we kind of talk about it, it does make more sense with Alvano being on scholarship and I guess maybe letting it play out. It just depends on how long, because I don't know when the next window opens up for transfers. I believe it would be later this summer. But Yeah, and um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if the long snapper leaves. Um, you're just trying just to kick everyone out of here, aren't you, Drake? No, no, I just... <laughs> look, I... Anybody listening to this who was a long snapper at one point in your life, I understand the importance of long snappers. I also feel like that's a wasted scholarship. That's fair. I mean, 
That that's that's pretty fair at this point. If, yeah. if you cannot find a guy on your 150 man roster that can long snap, we you have different problems to deal well, with. To be fair, we couldn't find a guy to snap the ball at center for a couple of years. So yeah, and now he's playing in the NFL. So fucking crazy how that shit works, isn't it? Well, uh, you know, Drake, there's one thing, and we'll probably cut this in here in a minute, but there's one thing I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, it's about recruiting. It's about a little bit later this summer. Rule mentioned their big recruiting weekend uh, to be the 23rd to the 25th. Okay. I heard a little rumor, a little birdie told me that there is a possibility of a big-time quarterback being part of that weekend. Have you heard anything about this? Um, I I have heard that there are talks of said quarterback ending up on campus for an official visit at some point this summer. Um, so, I have not heard any specific dates tied to it, but those it would were, not surprise me. So I haven't heard a specific date tied, but it just leads me to believe that every time that Nebraska has done a big recruiting weekend, this prospect has been there. So it just kind of makes me. Except for the spring game. Except for the spring game. But that seemed, wasn't that a late cancellation? Yeah, because he was he was out working with his new quarterback coach. That's what I Okay, that's what I thought because he was room or he was supposed to come to the spring game when uh, they had Brandon Baker and some of the other uh, highly recruited prospects. Nate Frazier, I believe, as well. No, Frazier wasn't there. Um, but he was supposed to come that weekend and then canceled pretty late, late in the uh, process there. It would just make me think that there's, there's a lot of smoke to that weekend being the weekend that they are discussing. I believe the weekend before is another big one, but. That's the one that they're trying to amp up for right now. All right, call your shot. Is he in or not? Ooh, call my shot right now. You know, I've said from the begin for a while now that I thought he was in. I'm still going to stick with too. it. I think he's in. I I don't have a lot of confidence in this, but I, I'll say he's in. So here's what I'm going to say. I I I've cooled but I still think he's in. What I will tell you is there's been a couple of times this offseason where chatter around him committing to one of the other two programs has gotten really big and seemed really really legitimate, like really hot and seemed really legitimate, and then it never happened. And what I will tell you, like, I think the longer it takes, the better shot Nebraska has. That's where I'm at, too. If he hasn't already committed to Georgia, and I've heard some things put out there, Georgia's offering him $8 million, $9 million to sign um, USC. I understand the allure of wanting to play for USC in Georgia. Like the, it, it, It's understandable why he'd want to go there. Look at what Lincoln Riley's done with quarterbacks. Look what he's done with Caleb Williams lately. Um, and then look at what Georgia – Georgia's a fucking machine. Like it's yeah, completely well, understandable why he wants to go or where he could no, want to go. Look there. how look who USC hired as their quarterbacks coach too. Yep. Now, uh, not not that Lincoln Riley hasn't been great in his own, but how many guys can say, "Oh, by the way, when I was at Texas Tech, I brought in Kyler Murray. I brought in Baker Mayfield. I brought in Kyler Murray to the league when I was with Arizona." Like, yeah, you you've you've got. Uh... I mean, and, and he was a hell of a quarterback himself when he played. Like, the, the yeah. dude knows quarterback play. Like, if you want to get to the league, it's a great place to go. So, I do think he's, he's in. A good but, amount of time in New England, too, learning from Brady. I mean, yeah, that's that's if you want a quarterback coach led by a, a head coach that knows how to quarter, knows quarterback play, that's kind of the ideal spot. But you've got, uh, you know, you've got Nelson in front of him. And that's that's a tough guy to you know unseat who is also a five star prospect. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this, Heinrich Harburg. Is he a quarterback at the end of this season? Ooh, you know I. 
I think he's going to be a utility player, kind of like um, – God damn it. Who am I thinking of from uh, the Saints? Taysom Hill. I think he's a Taysom Hill kind of guy by the end of the year. Okay. I think he'll be using the quarterback position from time to time. Um, but I think he's too good of an athlete to not involve him anywhere you can. I think he'll be involved on special teams quite a bit as well. I I, I just think he's too good of a uh, an athlete to not involve as much as you can right now. Yeah. So as a former Purdy guy that you are, yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to ask you what did you think of Purdy in the spring game. You know, I guess I didn't realize how far behind the gun he was when he came in um, under under Whipple last year. I, I didn't realize how behind he was with a lot of his I'll, fundamentals. I'll, I'll say in the spring game, he looked serviceable. He looked he looks light years ahead of where he was last year. If he had to play a game this year, I I'd at least be comfortable with him stepping in and running the offense at this point. That. That's where I'm at too, I, but I don't think you can move Harburg unless you go. Well, I guess you got the quarterback from Ole Miss too. You have the walk on from Ole Miss. Yeah, um, I, I don't think he moves early. Um, I, I do feel like he'll be sprinkled in throughout the season, but I don't feel like a full time. I don't think at any point this year he goes to a full time uh, position change. I yeah, feel like he'll just he, be sprinkled he's in. He's QB two, right? Like in your eyes, at right now, QB2. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. He he does too many things well enough that you can't sit him on the bench. I just don't think he does things well enough to um, take the jobs from Sims. You know what? You know what he kind of strikes me of right now. Not not at all in his style of play or anything that he's done, but his situation reminds me a lot of Joe Gans in terms of he's a guy that everybody knows. He hasn't put anything on film that looks great, so everybody's kind of hesitant of him. That's 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 pretty fair. Yeah, everybody heard things about Gans behind the scenes, but it, it's like a uh, it, it's like and Gans urban didn't legend. look good in spring games either. And I I think there's a lot that goes into Harburg's performance in the spring game this year. I like I felt like his line when he was in was getting their asses kicked. Um, apart from that one bad sack, I thought he looked good in terms of pocket presence. He didn't, uh, he didn't take sacks other than the one. We showed the um, athleticism to be able to move the ball with his legs very well in quarterback power. Yeah, no. Oh, for sure. I, I think he's a better thrower than we've seen though, because you wouldn't get the murmurs from the media and the staff about how good he looks if he doesn't just because he didn't put it on film in one spring game. Doesn't mean it's not there. That's yeah, that's true, and I also don't know how far advanced the offense was at that point too, or how much you even want to put on film. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think Harburg's firmly QB two at this point, but I, I, man, I just feel like he's too good to leave on the bench if he can help you, almost like Chris Leak and Tim Tebow to some degree. I, I was just gonna say I would like to see some Tebow packages for him. Yeah, if you can get him involved in that and and. You know, good teams don't have to trick you um, when they're playing you to beat you. But as a team that's learning how to win, you need to use everything at your disposal to do whatever you can that's going to give you an upper hand. And I think utilizing Harburg in different spots will do that. Yeah, for sure. So, well, Drake, um, do do we got anything else tonight? No, no. Uh, one thing, we I'm putting this back on your radar. We've got to figure out a time to do it. Whether we do it with another podcast or or bring on some fans, we have to set up a podcast to do our our top five what ifs for Nebraska football over the yes. last 20, 30 years. We'll definitely figure that one out because I think that'll be a really fun one to do kind of a roundtable discussion on. Just uh, now that we kind of got our schedules a little bit more clean, uh, yeah. it'll be a lot easier to do so. So we'll get yeah, that we'll figured out in the next out. couple of weeks, but I think that'll be a fun one to do. Yeah, for sure. That'll be a good uh, one. Awesome. Well, Drake, I'm going to let you get going. I'm going to let you go hang out with the wife. I'm going to go do the same. Uh, Everybody, thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. It was a blast to get back to doing what we love on Sundays. So we hope you guys enjoy this on Monday, and uh, we'll talk to everybody later. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, 
are and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. A Herd at Sports Network production.